This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Finance Minister Bill Morneau said, uh, hey, surprise, Canadians, you know, the uh, deficit that we projected would be $19.8 billion, which, by the way, came as a surprise when they had actually talked as early as 2015 that we'd be in surplus to the tune of $1 billion by 2019. The numbers are almost irrelevant now. They're just making stuff up. Uh, and uh, in this instance, though, he said they're going to rise to close to $27 billion in this fiscal year and uh, go going forward to 2024. You can add about another $35 billion to the pile. Uh, when we'll ever be back in balance? Forget about it. That's an aspirational goal. But Pierre Pauly, haven't been following this. Uh, he sits on the conservative benches, and uh, certainly when it comes to matters dealing with the country's finances, he's their point guy. He joins the Oakley Show at Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Mr. Pauly, have a pleasure. Good afternoon. Great to be with you. So, I mean, this $26.6 billion deficit announced... Uh, are you surprised, or do you think, maybe cynically as I am, uh, it was always on plan? They just didn't want to say so before the election. I'm not surprised. I predicted it. Um, of course, the liberal media tried to protect, yourself not included, by the way. Thank you. I uh, tried, uh, tried to protect Justin Trudeau from the bad math that he presented Canadians. But let's just go back. When Trudeau first ran for prime minister, he predicted a balanced budget in 2019. Well, that didn't happen. And when he ran for election the second time, just a few months ago, he predicted a $19 billion deficit in 2019. Well, it turns out that it's $26 billion. $7 billion more in deficit this year than he said. And every year thereafter, we're going to have big deficits that either grow or come close to growing our debt-to-GDP ratio. And by the way, Mm. this is before accounting for even a single liberal spending promise from their very rich and sumptuous election platform. Well, all right. When you reference the debt-to-GDP ratio, they say, Bill Morneau and Justin Trudeau, that, uh, hey, the finances are fine in the OECD, uh, the developed countries of G7. You know, we're top of the heap as far as that's concerned, or maybe second. Uh, so that's the only metric that matters. It's suddenly become fashionable to cite that, because I know the former finance minister here in the province was always saying, hey, don't worry about the debt the debt and the deficit. Our GDP, debt-to-GDP is still healthy enough. We can sustain it. Uh, what do you say in response? Well, first of all, if they claim that they would never increase the debt-to-GDP ratio, well, it's actually inching up this year. Uh, they've already broken that promise as well. And the for future years, uh, it will also go up if they come anywhere close to, to spending uh, on their uh, platform commitments the way they promised in the most recent election. Uh, furthermore, I would remind people that there, the liberal measurement of debt-to-GDP ratio is a very narrow one. It doesn't take into consideration provincial and municipal government debt, nor does it include the massive debts on the backs of businesses and households, the same businesses and households whose taxes will have to pay interest on the national debt. In other words, our economy is supporting a massive mountain of personal, business, and government debt that will become unsustainable as soon as interest rates go up. That's the perilous situation that Justin Trudeau has created for our country. 
Yeah, just as an aside, when you mentioned that uh, perilous personal debt, I see where insolvencies are up like 19% year over year, and uh, there are over 100,000 now in just the first nine months of this year, consumer uh, debt and insolvencies in this country. So uh, these are scary days indeed going forward. And as you cite, uh, you know, if we've got a rise in interest rates or something goes south with the economy, as many economists are predicting, right now this debt-to-GDP ratio that they're boasting about is really based on a robust economy, isn't it? It's based on a lot of rosy assumptions, uh, assumptions that are not being fulfilled. Let's look at the facts. Uh, as you point out, insolvencies up 13% year over year. Bankruptcies up. Financial defaults at a seven-year high. November, we lost 71,000 jobs. And according to MNP, Canada's fifth largest accounting firm, Half of Canadians are living $200 away from insolvency at the end of every single month. That's the state of Canada's middle class and those working hard to join. Remember those people Justin Trudeau promised he was going to help? Mm -hmm. Well, they're in a lot of trouble, and it's getting worse. We need to turn it around, and that's why I'm proposing solutions that will uh, unleash the, the potential of our economy so that our businesses can grow more, build more, and hire more, and so our workers can earn and keep more. Well, all right. Did you want to give us a little more detail on that? You're proposing, uh, give us one or two examples of what you're proposing. Three-point plan. One, we have to lower taxes on, on workers and entrepreneurs. Our entrepreneurs are the ones that hire our workers and pay their wages. They need to keep more uh, so that they can hire, expand, and grow. Um, south of the border, um, taxes are lower on business if you consider that U.S. business does not pay a carbon tax and is not subject to the new payroll taxes that the government of Canada is imposing. Workers are keeping less and less of their paychecks. We pay a fine in this country for the crime of working hard in the form of high income tax. We need to reduce that burden so our workers can keep more of what they earn. Second, we need to clear away the regulatory red tape to unleash the power of our businesses to build, expand, and grow. Do you know that it takes 249 days to get a permit to build a warehouse in Canada and only 81 days in the United States? So if you're an investor and you want to build a warehouse and fill it with high-paying jobs, where are you going to build it, in Canada or the U.S.? Of course, you'll build it south of the border, and that's why money's been pouring out of our, our economy and into the American one. And third, we need to reassure international investors by putting forward a plan to phase out our deficit. As long as our country looks like it's getting buried under debt, people are not going to put their money in this country. They're going to park it somewhere that's safer. So we need to, to, to put forward a realistic plan to, to phase out the deficit in the medium term and protect our, our finances for the future. That answers one of the questions that I've been asking over the last couple of days since uh, Mr. Morneau made his announcement. Do people still care about deficits and debt? It seems like, uh, you know, in some cases we're just whistling past the graveyard. Uh, you know, you can ring them up, call them investments, say we need to spend, this is going towards this cause, that pet project or the other. And Canadians seem nonplussed or at least almost encouraged by that. Uh, I would ask you, you know, what you've just articulated are conservative uh programs or initiatives, but can a true blue conservative still carry the country, or, or is the progressive gravitational pull just too strong now? Well, the facts of life are conservative, and the reality is that uh, you can't borrow your way out of debt or tax your way to prosperity. That is becoming increasingly evident, 
I think a lot of people are starting to say, look, we all understand that taking out debt sometimes is necessary in our personal lives to make investments. But what are we getting for all this money? You know, the, all of the debt that Trudeau added was supposed to make our commute times shorter. They're longer. They were supposed to make the middle class better off, but the middle class is getting poorer. They were supposed to relieve the suffering of working class folks who can't pay their bills. But as I said at the outset, more and more are defaulting, going insolvent, or even bankrupt. We're not getting anything for this debt. We're just getting a very big credit card a bill that will have to be paid in the form of interest every year through higher taxes to wealthy bondholders and bankers. You know, Mr. Polyev, it almost sounds like you're on the on-ramp to an election campaign. Any ideas or aspirations to lead the party? I, it's too early to say. I'm consulting with my top three advisors over Christmas. They are my mother, my wife, and my daughter. Uh, and uh, we'll see what they have to say. One thing's for sure. Whoever leads the Conservatives forward needs to be able to stand up, fight back, and win. Uh, we need to stand up for our core values, like a big open free market economy with low taxes and plenty of opportunity. A fight back means that we, we need to win the daily argument uh, against uh, the liberal cabal and, and Justin Trudeau and win. We need to do that. I know what it's like to win because I've done it six times in my Ontario riding. And whoever we pick has to be a winner because there's only one way to get this country back on track and to unleash our economy. And that's with a, a conservative victory in a coming election. Yeah. You quoted Margaret Thatcher earlier. We can end on another quote from Margaret Thatcher. First, you win the argument, then you win the election. I like that. (laughs) It's yours. Thank you Uh, you you for reminding me of that. Well, use it on the campaign trail. Uh, I appreciate your time as always. Good to be with you. Thank you very much. And Merry Christmas to you and your your family. And to you and yours. Pierre Polyev, again, he's a conservative finance critic, weighing in on Bill Morneau's financial statement. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.